Welcome back to Keeping Up with the Master Chief. Hello, and welcome to Keeping Up with the Master Chief podcast. We've had an eventful week here in the JROTC. Specifically, we had the opportunity to host nine kids with the Career and Technical Education Department under the direction of Miss Carol Overton, where we took kids the entire week to our aviation partners within our local community. This week on Monday, we took our kids to the College of the Albemarle, where they got to learn a little bit about being a mechanic in the aviation industry. On Tuesday, we took our kids to Elizabeth City State University, where they were able to tour the entire university, get into simulators for about 30 minutes, and experience what it's like to be an actual pilot. They got to talk to several students who were in the pilot program and who are about to graduate with their commercial pilot's license. So that was an exciting day. The next day, we took them to the Aviation Logistics Center on the Coast Guard base out in Elizabeth City, where they got to tour the heavy maintenance facility. So they get to see the planes as they come in from uh, one piece and taken down into hundreds of pieces, if not thousands of pieces, inspected and then reassembled and then sent back out to the unit. So that was a very fulfilling trip. And then today, I took them on our last field trip for this week, which was the birthplace of aviation, which was the Wright Brothers Memorial. And we had a great week, and we are hats off to our career and technical education department because they put on great programs, not only for the aviation department, but for many other departments, whether it's carpentry, cooking, forestry, agriculture, they throw the gambit at our kids. So I'd encourage you to get your kids involved in those summertime programs. They are free of charge. But today we have a very special guest with us and she comes to us from our central office. So I'd like to welcome our new Camden County Superintendent of Education, Dr. Linda Jewell Carr. Mrs. Carr began her position officially on the 1st of June with Camden County, and while there are some in our district that have been able to get to know you a little more, I'm happy that you accepted our invitation for our podcast. It's my hope that we get an insight into your vision for our schools and specifically for our students. Dr. Carr, welcome, and if you have any remarks that you'd like to make before we begin, you're welcome to do so. Well, thanks for the invitation, and I also want to commend all of your efforts last week with our students, how exciting it is to get real-world experiences in potential career opportunities, and I'm also appreciative to our higher ed partners for allowing our students on campus for these experiences. These are tremendous opportunities for our students, so I'm glad to hear that our students took advantage of this opportunity, and special thanks to the business partners and higher ed partners that welcomed our students. But yes, I am thrilled to be a part of Camden County Schools. I'm enjoying each and every day as I meet community, students, staff, and am just jumping in feet first and learning all about the great things Camden County Schools has going on. Well, thank you. I've kept a pretty close eye on the articles that have been written in our local newspaper, The Daily Advance, regarding your move to Superintendent of Education for Camden County Schools. 
To say that you've got an impressive record would be quite the understatement. It also appears that you've had a magnificent interview that rose above a very talented field of competition. So what you may or may not know is our students that are in the JROTC undergo a very extensive interview process, one where I bring in community partners, whether it is retired military members, uh, school board members, county commissioners, other officers from throughout the Coast Guard. It's a, it's a fairly intimidating environment, and we do that on purpose, and it's to prepare them for the types of interviews that you just went through. So for the benefit of our students who will also undergo a competitive interview in their futures, what was it in your interview that you think put you over the top and made you the unanimous choice? <laughs> That's a great question, and I'm sure it's one that maybe will be revealed to me as I'm here a little bit longer. But I can tell you that I hold real strong to my family core values. I pray about every decision and every move I've ever made that, well, pretty much anything. And so I desired another opportunity to lead another district, and I'm grateful in the board's willingness to take a chance on me and allow me this opportunity. I'm very drawn to the size of this school district. I just came from another smaller district, and having a school system this size allows you the opportunity to get to know people more in depth to establish those kind of relationships with students, with staff, and I love the close-knit community feel. I have been overjoyed about um, the amount of community participation at all of our schools in our end-of-the-year events. That is something that I've had to work for in other capacities, um, whether it was as a teacher or a principal or a central services supporter, that family and parent engagement has always been a high need in the schools or school systems that I was a part of. And we had to really work for creative opportunities that would encourage folks to participate And I have just been overjoyed that we don't have to quite dig as deep to find opportunities to have our parents come in and participate in our schools. Now, high school usually has its own set of challenges with continuing to keep the partnerships. But at the same time, I think that that was something that attracted me to the district. Of course, I have very conservative values. I hold myself to high moral standards. I am definitely always student focused. So um, I shared some of these things during my interview and I'm grateful that they I think resonated with some of the board's ideas as well. Uh, I have no doubt about that. In reading through some of the recent articles about your move to Canman County Schools, Dr. Jason Banks of Canman County School Board was quoted as saying, the board is confident that Dr. Carr will lead the school system to even higher achievement. While that's a wonderful thing to write, can you quantify exactly what higher achievement means in your opinion? Also, how does higher achievement align with your vision for our schools? I'll give you a couple of um, concrete examples. I do think that we are a very good, solid school system. And so what we need to do is move some of those good to great. Because perhaps with a little more um, focused intentionality, 
we can bring either a score for a single subject up to even higher state standards or just continue to excel to be the very best we can be. We can't sit back and be satisfied with just being okay because we are definitely doing some great things in Camden County Schools. But one of my first areas that I saw was a need that we have here, and we've already got a plan to address it. Our FAFSA completion rate is is as a very low when you look at our demographic, our FAFSA completion rate should be competitive with any county in this state because FAFSA completion doesn't necessarily mean that the student's going to qualify for a Pell Grant, for instance, which is basically free federal money. But the FAFSA completion says that that student is eligible to apply to any college and university because many of our colleges and universities have a stopgate you know, if you have not completed the FAFSA, then you are not allowed to complete the application or you are not allowed to be a student. My own child uh, is attending East Carolina and I have to complete the FAFSA with him in order for him to be eligible to even return. It doesn't mean that we're going to get any help because they've not helped us, but I still have to complete the form. And we do have someone coming in through My Future NC. There is a large movement across the state that's also supported by the Belk Foundation. And that we are looking at trying to get $2 million by 2030 that either has college or career credentials. And that's not only for our high school graduates, but that's also that next age range from like 18 to like 24. So... In order to get to 2 million by 2030, we all have to be doing our part. And the reason that ties in is part of that piece is getting more FAFSA completers. Because if you've done that step, now you're eligible to go to the community college. And I would like to really emphasize that because there are many programs that they will even pay you to go to school. They will guarantee you employment when you finish a program. Some of these programs are only 10 weeks. They're not four-year degrees. They may be 10 weeks, and a perfect example of that is getting your CDLs. Getting your CDLs to drive a truck, and they're walking out of that class, and they're making $50,000. First job, walking out of that class, getting your CDLs. A lot of the programming that community colleges offer that some of our high school students are eligible to take. Whether you are at the traditional high school or you're at the early college, you can take CCP classes at the traditional high school your junior and senior year. And our community colleges are offering and affording the opportunities that we might not have had when we went through school because At that time, there wasn't state funding to support a high schooler going through programs. But, you know, we need trades and industry. We need electricians and plumbers and welders and brick masons, auto mechanics. All of these folks generally have a two-year degree. And they also, a lot of them may take a business class or two. They run their own businesses. But... If you've hired any of those folks recently, you know that they are charging what they want to charge because there's so few of them that they are in high demand. So I know I got off on a tangent, but 
I just want to emphasize that FAFSA completion is definitely something that we will improve on next year. I have already solidified a new employee to Camden County. We will have a college advisor next year. This college advisor will work with parents as well as our students. They will be available to schedule one-on-one meetings. They will help fill out these incredibly um, difficult forms and help walk through that process. The goal would be if we can get our seniors in August and September to go ahead and start some of these processes. Not that you can't do it later on in the year, but there's generally a free college application week, and that's generally in October. And so if you already have your FAFSA completed, then you can apply to more colleges and universities because, again, it's a doorkeeper for some colleges to even consider you because if you haven't completed it, some of them won't even allow you to apply. That's interesting. So I'm going to go off tangent for just a moment. You were talking about the the trades, and we, we have a wonderful partner here in our own neighborhood, the College of the Albemarle, who offers many, many different types of trades. Obviously, they're open up to most of the kids here at the early college, and some of them are even open up to our students at the normal high school. Have you had a chance to do any research to see what our graduates are graduating with or what they're moving on to as far as jobs in the trades versus higher education? Well, um, that is an area of focus because we do not have enough of our students that are pursuing these two-year degree. Some of these programs also, really all you need is a credential. You really don't need a two-year degree. You just need a credential. So we really need to educate our families, educate our students in if you do not want to put in two extra years, four extra years, eight extra years after high school. There are very lucrative career choices that you just need a credential for. And you are correct in that the community college offers many of these. Absolutely. All right, moving on. Another part of the article that caught my attention was where it said she began her educational career as a dance and theater arts teacher for the Clinton County Schools. Obviously, you've done exceptionally well in your career. How has your undergraduate education prepared you for your future as a superintendent? Well, I was, again, very fortunate. I actually got my degree from Lees McRae College in Banner Elk, North Carolina, and it was a theater arts degree. Um, It was K through 12, and then my mother was terminally ill, so prayed about it and went home to take care of her, saw a job opening with Clinton City Schools, walked into that office and met with the assistant superintendent, and he said, here's the application, fill it out, and they hired me that day. Um, It was a dance teacher position. So the state of North Carolina requires you to teach at least half time in the area that you are licensed in. So I said, well, we're just going to have to make it into a theater arts dance position so that I would be um, highly qualified for that school system. So that's what we did. And it was a small high school. It had about 750 kids. And the beauty of a small high school is you do get to know many, many 
students. So I would stack my classes, and so there was dance one through four, and then there was theater arts one and two, and then technical theater. So what I mean by stacking classes is you may have a dance three student in the same class as a dance one student, but there is always opportunity to learn and grow together. Your dance three students would be able to model or show certain moves or help with vocabulary, help assist a student with choreography or whatever was needed. Same thing true with theater arts. Someone who had been in theater arts longer could maybe help with the directing of a scene for beginning students. So where there's a will, there's a way. And during that time, I also helped with Color Guard with the band. And I enjoyed those days. So I was a dance theater arts teacher for about six and a half years. Also became very involved with the community, doing community theater and decided to go into administration. So that's when I started that avenue. But I do think having an arts background gives you a gr- a better opportunity at seeing big picture. When you are from a arts background, you have to start at everything like with the end in mind. Like you are putting together an entire production. So what then you back back up what are the individual parts that I need to accomplish to make that happen but oftentimes I think you'll find arts folks gravitate to fields because they are able to see a big picture so that's kind of where that went but I um, do have a passion for the arts for sure very good one of the articles stated Carr was joined Monday evening by her husband Ed Carr and daughter Jewel who attends Washington County early college high school. The Cars also have a son, James, who is attending East Carolina University. So we'll talk a little bit about your family here. Was your husband, Mr. Carr, excited about the move to Camden, and has he settled in yet? Well, my husband, who is a great man, I do love him dearly. We've been married 23 (laughs) years. He is a real estate broker in Sampson County, and he also has family in Sampson County. So we have a house there. And with his mom there, he is there usually about Monday through Thursday. And, of course, we talk every night and that kind of thing. But we really appreciate the opportunity to be together on the weekends. And so we, since I have decided to move on to superintendent, that's been our world for the last three years. So he's very supportive and was very supportive and still is on the move to Camden County. Our daughter, Jewel, will be a junior next year at Camden County High School. So this is a good opportunity for her. She was a little nervous about the move, but because she's only known the kids in Washington County for her high school experience so far, and she did very well there, and she'll do very well here. But she has been a little nervous about making new friends and having to do all of that all over again. But again, I'm very grateful. God brought us together 23 years ago, and you just really appreciate the opportunity to be together when you are, when you no longer can be together seven days a week. Sure, it really makes sure. you appreciate that time when you're together. Yeah, we have a, a term in the Coast Guard and actually all of the military because that, that happens quite a bit. 
with families in the military with with co-located spouses when one of them gets orders and one of them is not able to go the geographical bachelor while it's not the most ideal situation strong marriages can certainly make it work so we wish you nothing but the best for there all right so the last question so according to a recent usa news report north carolina saw over 17 percent of principals depart last year during the school year compared to an average of 13 percent in the three years before the pandemic Additionally, a new report released Wednesday by the State Department of Public Instruction shows that there were 5,540 instructional vacancies on the first day of school this past year, a 46% increase from the same time in 2020 to the 2021 school year. What words of encouragement would you say to a talented and dedicated teacher or principal who may feel discouraged about their salary or other working conditions and could consider leaving the teaching profession soon. I think you bring up really good points, and all these statistics are indeed true. We had a lot of COVID fatigue, and folks that had been excellent in the craft for years and years just had burnt out, and they had burnt out on the sheer exhaustion of not knowing what tomorrow would bring and what challenges would come with that and having to change every single day. And so that did create an enormous amount of turnover, early retirements, resignations, all across the United States in education. But I think our educators feel like we're in a battlefield. It's like we have to defend our career choice for choosing to be of service to our nation. And, you know, anyone that chooses to be an educator does not do so because it's a lucrative career. We do so because internally we're driven by our why, and our why is bigger than ourselves personally, and we want to make an impact on society. And a sure way to do that exponentially is to be in a classroom or to lead a school or to lead a district. You have the opportunity to have a positive impact, a positive impact on the world. You are creating change makers. You are creating our future. You are creating the people who will help you with your social security later in life. <laughs> yes. I mean, that is the truth. In the not but so distant future. Educators are driven by this passion to help make the world a better place. You see people as good. You see the opportunity to help somebody grow and be better and reach their full potential, to give them the challenge, to watch them be successful. And it is an enormously exciting career to see the light turn on in a kid's eyes or even educators' eyes as they go through PD and they're like, now I get it. I understand. I know how to lead my people. I know how to help my kids. But we do need, in general, society to quit bashing educators, especially those in public education. I mean, these people should be celebrated and held up. I mean, it's like a call to the ministry. You do that because you're compelled by your why on making a difference, making a positive difference on the world and society. So we need to be lifting our educators every single day. And you are absolutely correct. Many of our classrooms held subs the entire year. 
not just in one county or one school system, but all across the nation. And we need to work for ways to be able to license teachers in more creative ways. There should be no reason whatsoever why North Carolina doesn't reciprocate licenses across state lines. Yeah, that makes no sense. That is an old antiquated policy that needs to change because were we able to, which we could if they do it, license educators in North Carolina and just reciprocate that license across state lines, that gives us the opportunity at highly qualified, certified teachers. But we have all these loopholes in the way, and it keeps us from being able to hire highly qualified staff just because of the rules and regulations. But that is a a soapbox for another day. (laughs) But to people that have chosen this as a career, thank you. And those that have chosen to work in Camden County Schools, I see why. This is a highly committed community to the success of our schools, and you do not have that everywhere. And I celebrate that for Camden County Schools, and I am very happy to be a part of it. It's interesting you say that because when I was hired back in 2015, I knew the superintendent personally, and he looked at me, and he's like, Lynn, he says, you have no idea what you're really getting yourself into. And, I'm, and I didn't understand what he was talking about. He said, this, this is a special school district. He said, it's, it's not like this everywhere. It's, it's not like this almost anywhere that you go. He says, you're very privileged and you're very blessed to be able to work here in Camden County. And it won't take you long and you're going to see why. And he was exactly right. It didn't take me long. We have phenomenal parents mm-hmm. in this particular school district. I'm not comparing it to anywhere else because I don't have anywhere else to compare it to other than my own experience. But yes, the parents in this in this particular school district are incredible. And when you have incredible parents, you, you generally speak and you turn out incredible kids. And that's what we do here in Camden. I full and wholeheartedly believe it. So we really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to come over. I know you guys are busy over in the central office getting ready for the new school year to come up. But I'm going to leave you with this one thing. If you had the mic for just a moment and you were talking with some of our high school students what would you say to our high school students what would be your your one paragraph message to just them if you had the opportunity to say it to them in a private setting well i would encourage them to do their best do your best every single day make every day important and count and not to get discouraged it's okay if you don't know what you want to do for the rest of your life truly our high schoolers now will change occupations They're going to change jobs more than the previous generation or the generation before, just by the way that the world is moving so fast. So just do your best in every course that you are participating in. Um, Look for opportunities to be engaged. If you are a little bit of a private or a shy person, pick one club. If you don't feel like you're a social butterfly and want to be a part of four or five, but get involved, be active in something. It doesn't matter what it is, but this, these really are some of the best days of your life. You just, it just doesn't seem like it right now, but you, you don't get to go back and do it over. So, and you don't really know where your jobs 
are going to carry you in the future. It could very well be that one class you take in high school ends up being one of your career choices moving forward. So just take the opportunity to really absorb everything that you can around you. I would also encourage our juniors and seniors at the high school to take a few college classes. Now, if you don't want to do the whole two years, no problem. But take something that you may think you might have an interest in. You may very well find out a very important point, which is you don't like it at all. It is worth one class to figure out that that was not what you thought it would be. And on the contrary, you may find out that that is exactly what you want to pursue. And that will help you choose where you may go after high school. Because you may want to go straight to work. You may want to find a credential that would allow your business partner to pay for your education. There are just so many opportunities out there. But taking advantage of your experiences while you're going through them is probably the best advice I could give them. Well, very good. Dr. Carr, thank you again for joining us today. And that is all for today. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. That's a wrap for Keeping Up with the Master Chief. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune into another episode.